0: You are experiencing the Liquid Flannel Podcast. Thanks for being back with us. I'm Matthew Hodges, coming at you from Arlington, Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and then in Omaha, Nebraska, two of my very good friends, Brendan Williams. Brendan, how you doing?
1: Hey, hey, hey. I haven't watched the latest episode of Roseanne yet, so my Roseanne... (laughs) knowledge is, is lacking on this episode, but I'll, I'll be back. Don't worry. I caught the
0: last 10 minutes of it. We'll check back in. And that other voice you hear is our sometimes third chair and returning guest, our friend Nick Glassman Glass, how you been?
2: I hurt all over. <laughs> is it from the CrossFit it or is just from, from reading the news? Um, A little bit of from column A and a little bit from column B.
0: Now you're reading the news while you do the CrossFit because that would be truly miserable. Oh
2: yeah, that's like, that's like a double workout right there. Well, mental
0: and physical. (laughs) Well, we're glad to have you sit in with us. I think this uh, this show is going to be right up your alley. I'm glad to be here. Because last week we were joking about various apocalyptic scenarios and said, you know, we should do a bracket of apocalyptic scenarios like we did a bracket for worst Midwestern politicians. So I have put together a bracket for us to do, and I think this crew is a really good one to go through these now. Been trying to figure out exactly what this means. It, choosing the best apocalypse. Uh, so maybe you guys can weigh on this, weigh in on this. I've been thinking, best as in worst, best as in most survivable, um, the one that you would prefer, or the one that you think would be most effective. I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: It's similar like to the Great War. How you refer to World War 1 as the Great War?
0: Right, right.
2: It's not so great if you experience it, but it was pretty great in the grand scheme of but it, things. But it yeah. stands
0: out, sure.
2: Yeah. To
1: me, best means like most horrifying personally to you. You know, I I do also mm. want to somehow factor in how plausible it is. Oh, okay. To me, like the most plausible and horrifying one? is to me the the best one. But I don't know, what do you guys think?
0: Okay, no, I, I that makes maybe, sense. maybe this can be an ongoing dialogue as we go through it. Uh, because we have a we have a pretty broad range and I think we might as well just jump right in. Okay. So how many do we, we have, got? It? Well there are, let's see six, nine. There are eleven in total. And they, they cover a pretty broad range from the natural to the supernatural to the political to the instant, um, in fact, those are those are basically our regions. Okay, why don't we start off with the instant catastrophe apocalypse scenarios? Now we have a we have a play in round first between a volcano, a volcanic event, so something like the Yellowstone supervolcano Whew, that we're way overdue for, versus a catastrophic asteroid impact.
1: They're very similar in so many ways. It seems like, yeah, you know, even though
2: they're ones like coming from in the Earth and ones coming from outside the Earth. But my question is, where's the asteroid going to land? Since the Earth is seventy percent water, I'm like are we are we for sure this is going to hit? I mean, population if we're area? if we're assuming that this
1: is an apocalypse level all life extinction event. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're It doesn't talking matter about at all.
0: Yeah, okay. Extinction of the dinosaurs level impact. So, yeah, it doesn't really matter where it lands because the one that killed the dinosaurs landed basically in water. I'm
2: going to have to go with Yellowstone.
0: Yeah. It's sexier.
2: And the fact that you're going to be covered in molten lava, ash, and everything, and there's just there's no way you can get around of it, especially if you live in the uh, United States, Canada,
0: Mexico right. area. Yeah, certainly worse for people who live... In North America.
2: How many super volcano mo- disaster movies are there, as opposed to how many ma- asteroid yeah. movies
0: are there?
1: I, I feel like there's an equivalent amount. I don't <laughs> name, know. There's name not very wise. many of I can either. only
0: think of that one with uh, Pierce Brosnan, right?
1: Yeah, what are well, the super volcano movies? Oh, volcano yeah. and Dante's Peak. Dante's Just Peak. Just like there's yeah. Deep Impact and Armageddon. There's there's that's the, the quadrangle <laughs> right there.
0: Alright, Brendan, what's your vote? It sounds like sounds like Glessman's in on volcanoes. I, I'm kinda of leaning that way too.
1: You know, I was leaning toward asteroid, because to me it's like volcano impact but more. But since this is a Midwest podcast, and the Yellowstone supervolcano is so close. I feel like I got to go with the hometown. Yeah, sure. Here.
0: Well, and also, I mean, there there is a, a bit of a unavoidability an angle there too. I mean, we could send Bruce Willis up to stop an asteroid. We, there's nothing you can do about tectonic plate shifting.
1: Yeah, you can't just like dump a bag of ice in there and hope that that <laughs> right. Helps. But you
0: could move to Europe.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, again, that's misleading though because. When the Yellowstone Supervolcano last erupted... It was a globe spanning oh, mass extinction right. yeah. event because so much stuff went into the atmosphere. Right. It covered the entire earth in like clouds of the and then it created like a new ice age and all these animals and, and prehistoric creatures went extinct. The Ashfall fossil beds up in oh, Nebraska yeah. have you. But Matt, I know you. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a couple of times. Yes.
1: I remember going to those as a kid. Yep. Yeah. People don't realize that it's there because it's it's kinda of far out of the way. It's like three or four hours from Omaha, kinda of up to the Northwest, I guess. But yeah, there's just hundreds and hundreds of these like ancient prehistoric like rhinoceroses and like hippo things. Their bones are just like perfectly preserved because this crazy super volcano exploded in Idaho.
2: Similar to Pompeii and how it just like
1: instantly yeah. fell. No, it sure. It's like the Pompeii of Nebraska.
0: <laughs> Did they find like a giant sloth masturbating like they found that guy at Pompeii? Uh, who decided to just like bang one out as the as the ash started to fall. <laughs> you know, I don't think the
1: prehistoric mammals had evolved quite to that level yet. Yeah, maybe not. They're still finding them. They're buried all over here. I mean, there could be some underneath your house right now. Who knows, man?
0: Okay, so that's our plan. It sounds like Volcano takes that round. And while we're talking about horrible things in the atmosphere causing massive climate change, um, the opponent in the instant catastrophe, you guessed it, It's a nuclear exchange.
2: It has to be nuclear exchange. There's nothing more terrifying. That is especially if you survive a nuclear exchange. Uh, It's almost worse. It's way worse. God, if I if somehow I survived instant suicide, I do not want to live in that in that environment. Oh, you wouldn't do
0: it just to see just to see how fun it could get? No, 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 no. You don't you don't think that you would uh you'd do well in a like a, a Fallout 3 style uh post-apocalypse?
2: I am incredibly weak-willed, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's not going to
2: happen.
1: Yeah, you know, in Fallout it's pretty fun, but I think you're right. In real life it may not be quite as fun as Fallout 4. <laughs>
2: (laughs) Yeah. Plus, I'm pretty sure it's another Terminator scenario. Well, if you do survive, you got to fight against the machines.
0: Yeah. So. Oh well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. What is
2: the competition here?
0: Uh, volcano versus nuclear. To me, nuclear
1: is like I said before. This like realism plus. Horrible,
2: terrifyingness. This right. is up there. I still, I still think that volcanoes worse because there's a good chance you're going to be instantly killed in a nuclear exchange. So I'm not too – I mean, I'm afraid of it, obviously, but I'm not right. too afraid of it. You could probably still survive super volcano and have to live in that wasteland. Yeah, yeah
0: and there's not going to be a ton of radiation around. Like, I think I'd, I'd rather die from just simple starvation than starvation plus – Massive social unrest and my teeth falling out from fallout.
2: I feel like it's it's the movie The Road, and that's just this a society I Ooh. do not want
0: to live in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, it sounds like three votes for nuclear for me.
1: Is nuclear <laughs> – is that a global extinction-level event on the same
0: scale? Well, let's
1: let's say it's a – If you're in Australia, are they nuking
2: Australia, too? Like, who's yeah, because, nuking all,
0: everybody? Let's say it's a global exchange, a global exchange of nukes. So, like <sighs> –
2: And not to mention the trade winds are going to carry that radiation and fallout all across the globe.
1: That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If it's bad enough, it doesn't matter if it's just like, you know, let's just say classic matchup, U.S. versus Russia. They just annihilate each other with hundreds of nukes. You'd think like, well, Australia is going to be fine. But
2: you're right. No, it's going to be a global catastrophe. Like unless you somehow grow a lot of thick skin and move to Antarctica. Sure. And even then, you're still – It's it's not going to happen.
0: I think you guys are going to find as we go through this, it's not necessarily the thing that's going to kill literally everybody, just a thing that's going to end the world as we know it. And kill lots and lots of people. Right.
1: Yeah, I guess the nuclear one to me is worse because at least with the volcano, you're like, hey, well, it's nobody's fault, you know? (laughs) Nothing we could have done. Nobody pushes the button for the volcano. Right.
0: There's a moral component there, too. Yeah, the
1: avoidableness makes living in that post-apocalypse even worse because there's literally someone to be mad at.
0: Right.
2: And most likely they're in a bunker somewhere. And right. you can't get to him to punch him in the face. Well, the
1: worst part about it is you won't even know. I mean, with the volcano, you could probably figure it out. With the super nuke thing, it's like your shit's gonna be so messed up, no one's actually ever gonna really know what happened.
0: Right. Except for except for the aliens. They'll know. <laughs> the archaeologists. Alright. It sounds like nuclear takes the instant catastrophe region. I'm not terribly surprised. That that one I think was the was the easiest one to go through. So uh since Nick mentioned Robots, fighting robots in a uh, post-apocalypse scenario. Um, Our next matchup is the, I called it the authoritarianism region. Okay. Where- Makes sense. The matchup here, and uh, it's a little bit possible and it's a little bit implausible. The rise of some kind of global fascist power versus the rise of the machines.
1: Okay. So this is like- Nazi takeover versus Skynet
2: takeover versus, versus Skynet. Skynet. Yeah, right. Uh, Skynet, Skynet, Skynet the Matrix. Yeah. You can fight humans. Humans bleed. Skynet. No, you robots don't bleed. All right, um, unless they're cyborgs. But
1: you know what? I do love the robot scenarios where. I just love to think about all the wacky things that you'd have to do to fight the robots and be like, they just hate marbles. Ha ha, take this, marbles. <laughs> or like, you know, like if you paint your face with like a checkerboard pattern, you know, maybe <laughs> sure. they can't see you or whatever. Like, right. I, I do love the wackiness yeah. of the actuality of what the robot
2: apocalypse could And be. if I may go off topic for just a slight minute, who made the weapons in Terminator? Like, the war against machines, the humans have laser ray guns, Who the hell made those?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Didn't they just, like, take them off of dead robots? Because the robots also physically hold guns, which I also thought was weird. Like, if you're going to build a robot, why not just build the guns When did the robots get the technology to build ray guns? Robots are smart. They're very smart.
0: They started learning exponentially. I mean, she says that at the beginning of Terminator Uh 2. I do like Brendan's point about the wackiness, though. I'm thinking about whatever that robot was in one of the Robocop movies that basically got defeated by... Trying to oh, go like down stairs. the stairs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> stairs, man. Stairs. If you want to survive
2: the robot apocalypse, just live around stairs. Yeah, right? just stairs. It's like a Dr. Seuss realm. There's just
1: askew stairs everywhere, like rickety staircases. <laughs> There's not going to be any of that wackiness when the Nazis take over. It's no, going to no, be very puzzles. depressing.
0: Yeah, and I guess uh, depending on who you are when the Nazis take over, your chances of survival are probably much better or much worse.
2: I'm going to go ahead and say that everyone right here in this podcast has pretty good odds of survival if we just keep our mouths shut. I
0: suppose, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess the Nazis aren't so bad after all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. It sounds like we all agree that fighting robots would be worse, even given the the comical aspect of- You can punch uh, a Nazi. You know, some of the, the right. possible- possible but you outcomes. can't
1: punch a robot <sighs> what if the robots converted to nazism though that's gonna be robot much. nazis yeah that's
0: then you basically end up with the daleks i think <laughs>
1: <laughs> a da- i could handle a dalek apocalypse that really they don't seem that bad
0: they're so slow <laughs> they're the only thing that the doctor is afraid of
1: that's irrational
0: i'm just saying it sounds like artificial intelligence uh the rise of the machines takes the authoritarianism region So far, we have eliminated the instant catastrophe and authoritarianism regions down to a broad nuclear exchange and the robot uprising. What do you guys say we uh, take a little break there? I think we're going to cover a little bit of news and we'll come back and and finish up this bracket.
2: Sounds good to me. There are some reports out this morning that uh, Speaker Ryan is considering stepping down at the end of this Congress. Um, Has the president spoken to Speaker Ryan about those reports, and does he want to see Speaker Ryan continue in that role?
1: Uh, The president did speak uh, to the speaker uh, not too long ago and uh, made sure that the speaker knew very clearly and in no uncertain terms that if that news was true, he was very unhappy with it. Uh, The speaker assured the president that those were not accurate reports and that they looked forward to working together for a long time to come. Blake? So did this catch the the president by surprise, the Ryan report that was out today? It sounds like it may have caught Speaker Ryan by surprise because I, I don't think it was very accurate reporting. Um, And so it sounds like they're both committed to and looking forward to spending a lot more time together uh, over the next, you know, hopefully seven, eight years.
0: So for quick starting off our quick roundup of Midwestern news, uh, Paul Ryan stepping down. That was uh, that was a pretty big deal.
1: I guess he is technically from the Midwest. I don't really think of him as Midwestern news.
0: He's from uh, Wisconsin, isn't he?
2: Wisconsin, yeah. yeah. Is he from Wisconsin, or is that just where he uh, had his seat at? I think he is from there.
0: What was the reason? I mean, what was the stated reason?
2: Spend more time with his
1: family, was it? Yeah, to spend more time with his family. I love that he's like, yeah, you know, after I've been running for vice president and speaker of the house for many right. years, I, I literally just woke up on a Wednesday and was like, <laughs> oh,
2: I have a family I should spend more time with. It's not the fact that I've... I've dug my hole so deep that there's no possible way I can get out of. <laughs> right. That's, that surely is not the reason.
0: Has nothing to do with I have a populist uh, Democratic challenger in my next election who is picking up steam like crazy and I'm one of the most hated men in America.
1: Well, and then he has no record to run on other than like... Yeah, I don't like Trump either, but I'm just still gonna do what he says. Like, that's I gotta just not. A, right. I
2: gotta do it. I mean, he's got the R next to his name. What? What can you do? Yeah,
0: sure. <laughs> they passed the tax cut bill, but I mean, at this point, I think even Trump's base hates him, and they've pretty much taken over the party. So Democrats hate him and most of the active Republicans hate him. It's an unenviable position, but it's it's no better than he deserves.
2: I mean, he did it all to himself. So I have no sympathy for him. I mean, I heard some people speculating,
1: oh, he's going to run in 2020 (laughs) against Trump. Dude, if he wanted to run against Trump, he could do that right now in his current position. And it would be a lot easier than trying to start a presidential campaign against a sitting president. Although, to be fair, if Trump steps down or is removed from office somehow, you know, who knows? Maybe he does come back and say like, You know, now that Trump's gone, like back to normal, like vote for Paul Ryan. But that's going to be a tough spin to be like, yeah, Trump was terrible. And, you know, I should have done more about it. But vote for
2: me now. Yeah. Just ignore my track record up into this point. I
0: should have done more. And then I went running for the hills. And now you can trust me to be your your presidential candidate.
2: It sounds like standard GOP practice.
1: (laughs) I mean, it is pretty hilarious, though, that they were like, we got to get this tax cut bill in here. Because it's just the most important thing. Like, we got to kickstart this economy that's actually doing pretty good. Right. But we really need to just kickstart it into high gear. And then he did that. What about all the deficits? And he's like, I got to go.
2: Yeah. yeah didn't, he leave, didn't he leave office with like a $3 trillion deficit or something? Right. They added something that's unimaginable.
0: Yeah, $1.4 trillion to the deficit just through the tax bill, I think. Yeah. After spending his entire career, you know, especially under Obama being, you know, a self-proclaimed deficit hawk, and then they pass this tax bill that's going to explode the deficit, and he's like, well, see ya.
1: Well, I, I am kind of surprised that he did not follow through on his plan, because the idea was that the plan was, step one, cut all the taxes, and then be like, oh no, these deficits, and then step two is, oh, the deficits are so bad, we need to cut Social Security and Medicare and all these entitlements, which... You know, I thought he was serious about that. Like, I thought that was his dream. Right. But I guess it was just the cutting taxes part. And the rest of it, he was like, oh, nah. People don't like it when you cut their services. So Yeah,
0: but I mean, the mathematical reality of it is they're either going to need to roll back the tax cuts or they're going to have to start cutting entitlements. And maybe he just he knows that's going to it's going to be way easier to roll back the entitlements than to get rid of the tax cuts. So it's kind of built in now that that's going to end up happening.
1: I guess that's true. And then he doesn't have to be the face of doing it because it's going to be so unpopular. But like I said, I I didn't agree with that position, but at least it was a consistent position where, but he did the popular part. And then when it was time to do the unpopular part, he was like, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) The bold conservative leadership we deserve.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of unpopular fiscal moves, uh, NPR had a story tonight. They were running on the tariffs in nebraska farmers talking about how much this is worrying them the one farmer they interviewed was a guy who was like he made very sure to tell us that he did not vote for donald trump he didn't vote for hillary clinton but he wanted it on the record that he did not vote for donald trump but he's a soybean farmer and looking at you know chinese retaliatory tariffs and being really worried about how that's going to affect his business and then they they talked about the the knock on effects from that, like, will he have to delay, you know, buying another truck or are he or his wife going to have to look for a second job or something now that their their soybean market isn't going to be there anymore? That's all on Trump. Like I don't think any of the Republican leadership wanted this.
1: No. And the funniest part to me was when Trump went on TV and he said, yeah, you know, the farmers are, you know, maybe they're going to feel some pain, but. You know, they're patriots, and I know that they'll like support me no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> right. I
2: mean, how full of yourself do you have to be?
0: I mean, he, some of them probably will, probably are buying the line that this is somehow making America great again, even though it's going to be taking away business from them.
2: Well, just last week, a friend of mine went down to Lincoln and down I 80. I don't know if you've been down I 80 lately, but there's a gigantic. Trump sign. Oh, I
1: do love the Trump barn or whatever. The Trump
2: barn, and it's it, the guy's a soybean farmer. And I was like, why haven't you taken that down yet? <laughs> right. <laughs> we should go track that guy down and interview him. <laughs> and he'd be like, it doesn't matter. It's. It's all those damn Chinese fault anyway.
1: You think like the soybean market, like who
2: even cares? Like it's soybeans, you
1: know, plant something else. And that's what a lot of farmers are having to deal with. And the sad fact is like farming takes a long time. So even though Trump doesn't know what he's doing right now with the tariff situation, these farmers have to decide right now, like, what am I planting right now so that I'm harvesting
2: it later on in the year? Not to mention that soil is conditioned for either corn or soybeans, and it takes a long time to get the soil conditioned to whatever you want it to grow. But then that means people say, well, maybe
1: I don't know what's going on with soybeans. It's looking crazy. I'll just switch to corn. But then more people are growing corn. That drives down the price of corn, sure. right? So it just, it's just hurting everybody. And you're getting what for it? You're getting more tariffs from China? Like, you're not getting anything for it. Hey, but
2: you're sticking them to those damn Chinese though. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile the like fifty thousand existing steel workers in the country are super happy about this. I mean, it's a you know, that's quite a trade off to make. Our our number one export versus some some fairly niche markets.
1: It's uh, not making a lot of sense, and you know, I guess maybe that's contributing to why Paul Ryan doesn't want to run for re-election when all this is going on. Uh, it, it,
2: he would have to answer questions like this to farmers in his district, yeah, right? I and mean, this is all on him. This is his own monster that he created, and well, it you made your bed now, lying it, eh?
1: right? <laughs> you know, it's it's sad, but I do empathize with Ryan. You know, even though I should despise this spineless man who was a Trump enabler. I feel bad for him because if I was in his position, I don't really know what I'd do either. You want to say, I would stand up to Trump and I would tell him what what. Well, you're just shooting yourself in the foot because then all the people who you need to vote for you in your party are going to hate you and you're going to lose anyway. So he's really in a lose-lose. Man,
0: fuck that. I don't feel bad for him at all. The guy has always been a ghoul. I mean, this is the guy who joked about how they were going to slash Medicaid, and he's like, remember back in college when we were at those keggers and talking about how great it would be to slash Medicaid? I mean, that is that is not a human thing to do.
1: What kind yeah. of kegger is that? When right. Let's talk about Medicaid. <laughs> Speaking of non-humans, you guys watch any of that Zuckerberg testimony?
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, only insofar as I was laughing at his booster seat the whole time.
2: I get the whole booster seat joke, but at the same time, don't make fun of him or something like that. There are so many better things you can give him <laughs> shit for, but...
0: I don't know. I think it just speaks to how artificial the guy is in all aspects of human interaction. Like... You know, they had to pull like a Hollywood trick just to make him look like big and imposing or not imposing, but bigger than he is. Well,
1: it's funny because people are like, oh, you shouldn't make fun of him for like needing a booster seat because like you're, you know, like shaming him for not being masculine enough. But it's the fact that he thinks he needs a booster seat to convey some sort of image of like dominant masculine power. That's the, the problem, right? He's feeding into that. He could just say, Oh, I'm going to look short on TV, even though I'm not short or whatever. Who freaking cares? It's my words that matter, not my appearance. It's clear this guy doesn't care about his appearance. So I don't get the whole right. booster seat thing. Cause like his haircut looks like he went to freaking <laughs> supercuts
2: or something the day before. It looks terrible. Have we just thought about maybe it's a really comfortable booster seat? <laughs> it did look pretty padded, but I mean, the chair looked like it was a pretty nice chair. It's anyway. like one of
0: those one of those hemorrhoid rings that you have to you have to wear after surgery.
2: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if I was given a cushion that looked pretty comfortable, I would take it too. He <laughs> should have just come out and been like, "I needed
1: a cushion because my ass was so sore." From the beating I was taken from this questioning.
2: Well, the thing is, and I can't remember where I read this, but they brought up a good point about how like our government has absolutely no idea what Facebook really is or what kind of direction social media is going because you're they're asking them just. They were old people questions.
0: Oh, yeah. That was the most popular joke about the whole thing was like, Mark Zuckerberg is now experiencing the hell that all of us have had to experience for the past five to 10 years, which is explaining how Facebook works to old people.
1: Oh, yeah. It was pretty sad to see some of the questioning where it, it was clear that people had no idea like what they were even talking about. And I think that's part of the problem is that, you know, people say like, well, Facebook needs to be regulated and, you know, we need to regulate it. But. Literally no one has any idea. How do you regulate it? Right, what that brain. would be. I mean, so there are these questions where they're just meandering and they're saying like, isn't privacy good? And it's like, well, yeah, I guess so. But like, what does that even mean? And how could we even create laws that make it better? No one is doing that.
2: I feel like even for as many loopholes are there are in the stock market, it would just be... The loopholes for social media laws be it just even worse.
0: Well, to close out our Midwestern news segment here and while we're talking about cushions and taking them away, uh, I'm sure you guys saw that the city of Flint, Michigan is going to cut off giving free bottled water to citizens of Flint uh, pretty much the same week that the Michigan legislature approved an increase in Nestle's water bottling out of Lake Michigan from 250 gallons per minute to 400 gallons per minute for, I think they spent, yeah, $200.
1: That's it? Like total?
0: Yep, $200. <laughs> what? Uh, to uh, to increase from 250 to 400 gallons per minute of clean water out of Lake Michigan. So, Oh, my God. Um, just a, a reminder to all of our... Listeners never buy a Nestle product. Uh, Nestle isn't really like a chocolate and what they are is water speculators. Uh, This is what they do. They buy up sources of fresh water because, I mean, if there's one corporation in the world that absolutely believes in climate change and that climate change is coming, it's Nestle. And they know that the thing that everybody is going to need to purchase is water.
2: Weren't they one of the first Banana Republic companies, too, down in uh, Central America, buying up banana plantations? Or am I thinking of somebody else?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's real possible. I think next week or the week after, we're going to run a little uh, contest to see if people can identify some of the more horrible multinational corporations based on atrocities they've committed. So you can look forward to that.
1: Yeah, there's some doozies out there for sure.
0: Uh, for sure. But, uh, hey, what do you guys say to... Uh, Wrapping up this segment We can finish out the bracket And then Brendan's got a Killer high note for us
1: Yeah, let's do this Works
0: for And a great sign Appeared in heaven A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. See, the the reason that this bracket we're running is so timely is because in the past couple of days, uh, Fox News has run some truly... Just unhinged stories about how apparently the world is going to end on April 23rd. So we're recording on the 12th. You guys will have like at least a week to, you know, listen to our warnings and thoughts on this. But um, basically, some Christian numerologist has decided that the rapture is going to happen on uh, April 23rd. Either that or the planet Nibiru otherwise known as Planet X, which astronomers are like, yeah, there's probably a big planet out there like past Pluto, but... It's not headed our direction. It's just in orbit, out in the like the Kuiper belt or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: well, if those scientists can't even find it, how can you trust them that it's not going to do? I mean,
0: right. seriously,
2: science changes all the time. Can you really <laughs> trust something that's always changing?
0: Yeah, the Bible definitely never changes and certainly never changes in yeah. interpretation. Oh, so, for you know. 2,000
1: years, it's been the same. The less that's you right. change your mind, the more right you are. <laughs> Everyone knows that.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's a, a pretty good introduction to our... Our third region, the Supernatural Apocalypse region. Um, This has a play-in also uh, between zombies and aliens. Now, zombies I'm counting, I'm going to count like even uh, like 28 Days Later scenarios where there's some sort of plague that makes everybody into crazy homicidal cannibals. Yeah, super rabies, quarantine, um, up to... You know, Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead uh, sort of zombies, um, and then in to terms me, if of the, aliens, if the zombie's I mean,
1: not rising out
2: of the grave,
1: like I feel Return it's not, of not the as Living cool. Dead? Yeah, I feel like that's where the coolness comes from.
2: Yeah, but how, how does a zombie get out of a a locked casket? B <laughs> a ca- casket protector. And see six feet of dirt. How
0: Look, does it a lot get out of these
1: of zombies? You know they weren't th- that rich. You know there's
2: more poor people out there buried in cardboard boxes than rich people.
0: That's more true. Then you got yeah. the
2: worms eating away. So if there's anything left, yeah. you're just a, a spooky skeleton.
1: It's true. With the zombies, they're rising up out of the ground, but they're not even skeletons. Like how? What period of time? Like how recently dead? Do you have to be to still rise up? Or do actual just skeletons also
2: rise up? Like, I, where where's the cutoff? Well, see, in Return of the Living Dead, actual skeletons do rise up. And, you know, skeletons are pretty scary. I could think I could deal with a zombie that still had a little bit of meat on it. But seeing a skeleton just walking around, yeah, I'd
0: freak out. Yeah, what, like, I mean, what do you even do with a skeleton? I mean, because theoretically with a the zombie... throw dude, a rock
1: at it and it would die. Yeah, hit <laughs> it with a on. baseball
0: bat. <laughs> now, what about, what about mummies? Do you guys think they count as zombies? Are they like a, oh they're my a subset God. of zombies, <sighs> they're, they're... they're a subset of zombies
2: in the same way that uh vampires are a subset of zombies. But okay. I think the I think the mummies fall more into the cursed type of zombies <laughs> that they have a curse on them. That's what makes sure. them rise up. Yeah. Well, we're opposed- in the
0: supernatural region, so I don't think that we okay. can rule out magical curses. Um, but I think I think overall what we're talking about is some mass uprising of the dead or something that may as well be the dead. Okay. Um, taking over cities, rampaging through the countryside, eating everybody that they come across.
2: Well, I feel like most people in the world like would... Enjoy a zombie apocalypse, because now you have the freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah, Plus. they
0: think that, except they, they don't... Re- I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's the basic libertarian, faulty thinking, where it's like, unless you're the strongest person around, you're just going to get taken advantage of by somebody who's stronger than you are.
2: Yeah, and I think Zombieland really, la- re- really laid down the groundwork, like, fat people, including me, yeah, you're not going to make it, sorry. Get in shape, because... <laughs> you're not out in okay. the undead. So, All right, what about the zo- aliens though? Zombies
0: versus aliens and aliens, I mean, we could we could do uh, war of the world, um Mars attacks. Um I mean there, there's a there's a whole bunch of different scenarios, but basically aliens arrive, they are malevolent, the or uh, invasion of the body snatchers, you know, that was an alien invasion.
2: Invasion of the Body Snatcher seems pretty chill, though. I'd be okay with that one because <laughs> you go to sleep and you wake up, and it's like you know. You no, don't you don't anything. wake up. The
0: pod well, person wakes
2: up. I get it. I yeah, get that it. That doesn't but,
0: sound so bad. <laughs> well,
2: you you don't feel anything. The pod person wakes up, but I mean, if we do actually have some kind of alien intervention, and they do do decide that we need to go. We're not. We're not gonna. We're not one against aliens. It'd be like if. The best analogy I ever saw was if there's a nuclear war and our best weapon was sponges.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I I think that's right. I mean, I've got to lean aliens on this one because any race that has mastered either faster than light speed travel or generational spaceships where they've been traveling through space for, you know, centuries. They're going to be more technically – Yeah, they're more technologically advanced than we are, so we stand way less of a chance against aliens than we do against zombies.
1: I feel like either way, we win... In this one, because, okay. I mean, like I said, both of these are killer. I mean, if this is the apocalypse, like, you really get one of the better apocalypses in both these <laughs> it's scenarios. It's true, because yeah. 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 Like, agreed. it's terrible, but at the same time that it's terrible, you're also like, this is kind of like, this is just like a movie, you guys. You like, can have a little bit of fun
2: <laughs> before you die. I
1: never thought that okay. something this cool would happen. Like, there's actual aliens or actual zombies. Like, damn, I thought about this so much.
0: Yeah, ne- never thought we would be this lucky.
1: but yeah i think aliens it's 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 more terrifying because of the unknown with the the zombies you kind of know at least a little bit what you're dealing with it's a little bit more mundane whereas with the aliens that's a real mind screw right there unless unless the
2: zombies are truly reanimated and there's no way to kill them like in Return of the living dead
0: yeah sure well, I, I, I think uh I think Aliens narrowly ekes this one out, but this yeah. is just a play-in, right? Because the uh the big hitter in the supernatural region is the rapture. The Judeo Christian biblical left behind series rapture.
2: Well then in that case that wins hands down. You don't beat Jesus. I mean, first of all, what even is the
1: rapture? Because that shit is straight up nonsense. It doesn't make any hey, sense. if you yeah. don't believe in God, you're fucked, basically. Okay, hold up, though. In Left Behind, do they actually... Does the apocalypse with all this stuff and, like, the seven lambs with the seven heads and the seven seals and all that stuff, does that go down?
0: Yeah, sort of. I mean, I read the last book. I read the first book and the last book, because I figured that was, you know, where the meat of the the actual (laughs) events were (laughs) going to be. Just like the Bible. (laughs) Uh, Right. (laughs) Right. Yes. Uh, and yes, at the end of the last uh, Left Behind book, Jesus does come back and use like his Godzilla breath on all of the <laughs> amassed. I'm not I'm not kidding. Hold up. I mean, he's Hold like, up.
1: I that's what makes it funny. Is this in the Kirk <laughs> camera movie? Because I got to watch that. Oh, right I don't know. Now.
0: Yeah, I thought I mean, it was I, a
2: Nicolas Cage movie.
0: I assume that they incorporated it into the there movie. There is a I Nicolas mean,
2: Cage movie, too. Yeah. What was, that, what was that show on HBO, uh, The Leftovers? Is this, isn't that kind of the same thing? No. Dude, if HBO
1: made a show <laughs> that was like the Christian biblical rapture apocalypse, that would be like the next Game of Thrones. Like, I hope HBO oh, is yes. listening the to this. shit out
2: of that. Because
1: <laughs> if you think Game of Thrones is crazy where they got like ice dragons and stuff, read the Book of Revelation because it is the most metal, like, HR Geiger. It's pretty hardcore. Acid trip, insane nonsense. But also, it's like a heavy metal music video. It's insane. (laughs) And oh my god, how have they not made that movie yet?
0: Yeah, it's a little bit like the movie Heavy Metal, also.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, again, this is like, dude, if the if the if the actual Rapture happened.
2: That's the most win of all because I mean what happens to us non believers? Like, do we have do we burn a like a fire or do we just kinda like wander around and hang out with the other non believers? Well, you yeah. know, you could read like twenty-three volumes of Left Behind
1: to find out the answer. And all, yeah, no, you know? what
0: happens is basically all of the believers get whisked away in the rapture, leaving behind all of the other people who then have to live on earth for I think it's four years with the Antichrist. Um, and things just get progressively worse and worse because the Antichrist is obviously the Antichrist and, like, amasses a massive army for some—I don't know who they're fighting, actually. Anyway, and then— Just everybody. Why not? Maybe- I'm going
2: turncoat on this and join the Antichrist.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it is—that's the thing about the rapture is you could either decide to just convert to Christianity before it happens or— uh, go ahead and convert to, you know, working for working for our Lord Satan.
2: So I and guess, sorry, most of the world, you're going to join the Antichrist. Well, <laughs> here's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. Like, it would make
1: sense if that was the setup, right? Where they're like, hey, we're going to take the good people to heaven. And then like all the rest of the people, like you just fight it out or whatever. But then like maybe you could redeem yourself.
2: Like in this is the end. I But think that doesn't
1: happen. I think that Bible. has to
0: be part of the Left Behind series, though, because otherwise, I mean, the, the story is told from the perspective of people who were left behind. And probably a Christian author did not write a bunch of people who are just going to die at the end of the story.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that is some heresy right there, because that is not what goes down <laughs> in the Bible. They're, they're, that part does not happen where they I, mean, say, I think like, you get they're... a second chance? No.
0: Yeah, no, there, are, there are Christian scholars who would say that the entire rapture thing is heresy itself because it's not in the Bible. I mean, the book of Revelation <laughs> is can also be read as like uh, an analysis of the fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah. So, I mean. That's
1: true. I, I do love that the fact that a bunch of like old people met like 2000 years ago or whatever, or I guess it's more recent than that, like within the last couple hundred years and decided like what books were the official books of the Bible or whatever. Right. And somehow this one made it in, or whatever. They were like, "Oh, you well, we gotta keep they just that." just
2: wanted one. to scare the shit out of people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I uh, like the last couple of years that our family went to church, I would just sit there and read Revelation and be spooked by it. Oh, oh, dude, it's, it's so
2: good. Dude, Revelations is it's some pretty heavy shit right there. Yeah,
1: again, if that right. if that apocalypse actually happens, I'm gonna be
2: like, wow. <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, I'd, I'd I'm be...
1: so glad that I'm here
2: to witness this. I mean, well, my the super... jaw would definitely drop. So,
0: <laughs> the supernatural region, I think, is definitely the most fun one. But we got to make a decision here: alien invasion or rapture as your rapture. apocalypse. A
1: rapture wins hands oh. down. Yeah, you I'm d- rapturously in love with the rapture. You don't okay. beat
2: Jesus,
0: <laughs>
1: dude. It, give me that Godzilla Jesus. I hope it's the John Legend version.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> All right so, Actually Rapture it better be the- Hold up It better be Ted Neely Because that dude Is 74 years old The original Jesus Christ Superstar Jesus He right. is still Playing Jesus To this day 74 No kidding Did No Is eye fixed No
0: Okay It's only gotten worse <laughs> Okay
1: it's, it's kind Apologies of a trademark for Ted him, Neely, I guess. If but you're dude, listening. can you imagine, like, we need to make this freaking Christian the, Rapture movie before Ted Neely dies so he can play <laughs> Godzilla Jesus.
0: Awesome. Okay, alright, so Rapture takes the supernatural region, which leaves only one region, which is the, I call this sort of the science and nature region, although we've, we've done some science and some nature already, but uh, we have a play-in on this one also. It's a worldwide pandemic. Spanish flu, your Ebola, your smallpox, versus the Grey Goose scenario. Now, does somebody <laughs> He's here, a Grey
1: Goose.
2: I'm, I'm not like, familiar with the Grey Goose people scenario, get slizzard so or whatever.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's terrible.
0: Brendan, you know you know Grey Goo, don't you?
1: Well, we talked about it last week. Uh, it is where nanomachines, self-replicating nanomachines disassemble the entire, like, I guess the whole they all matter more, right? in the universe and turn it into nanomachines. So
2: it's like that episode of Futurama.
1: Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yep. I don't know. Yep.
2: Being sick is pretty awful. <laughs> like I had <laughs> strep throat a couple of years ago and that was a, I wouldn't want to go that way. That was a painful way to go.
0: Counterpoint. The best parts of the book, the stand were all of the chapters about what was going on during the pandemic. That's so at true. least it's a little more entertaining.
2: But, I mean, have you ever been sick because it's
0: awful? (laughs) Fair.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of these apocalypses... You could defeat by washing your hands, though. I mean, I feel like that really does take it down. Not if much. it's
2: government engineered, like <laughs> it was in the stand. That's
1: not, I guess like biological weapons. I guess can kind of fall into that. That's that's pretty gnarly. Well, well actually,
0: weaponized anthrax. Come on now. Well, also, I mean, and and we'll we'll get back to this uh, shortly, I guess. But you know, they say that with the the melting permafrost. There are all of these like Russian villages that all died of smallpox and got buried in the permafrost, and they've just been contained there. And I think worldwide there are only something like a dozen smallpox vaccines left. So it's very realistic.
2: Smallpox. So you guys, good luck.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's right. What about the apocalypse scenario where? Everybody gets vaccinated and then gets autism. Did you think about that scenario, Matt? Oh, Come shit.
0: On. <laughs> yeah.
2: Aren't we living in that scenario right now, though? <laughs>
1: some some would say.
2: But no. we let, um, let
0: Jenny McCarthy onto our show? I did not invite <laughs> her to this.
1: No, I'm just saying both sides. Both, both sides. Both sides, man.
0: Both okay, sides. So, both
1: sides. I, so it's my right to die of smallpox, okay?
0: Let's make a decision here. Uh, Grey goo or worldwide pandemic?
1: I want to just nominate Gray goo for the for worst. Yeah. it's just the stupidest, stupidest apocalypse scenario.
0: Absolutely, it's the stupidest. It's the most effective, probably because I mean, <laughs> once they're out, what are you going to do?
1: Yeah,
2: man, that's a tough one. I just I don't know. I got to go with pandemic, man. Yeah. diseases. Okay. Disease is super scary.
1: It's a pretty porrifying one, and and pretty high on the realism plausibility scale. I, I mean, feel like.
2: Yeah, it's it's got to be a disease for me. Yeah,
0: I'm Plus. really torn here because both of you make really good points. Um, I think in terms of in terms of human suffering, I've always assumed the grey goo thing would go much quicker. Yeah, because you're really be- sure
1: how it is to be molecularly disassembled at the nano You probably level, wouldn't like, even feel it. Yeah, it you- doesn't seem like it would be that painful, but Maybe if it's
2: slow, it would be. I don't know. Right. But, I mean, I'm assuming they're wor- they're working like a you know quadruple the speed that of us. So you probably wouldn't feel it because they're. Cause well, they're, and they're also traveling
0: around in a little swarm. So like maybe it would hurt, but it only hurt for a couple of seconds, maybe, and then you're just as opposed to dying of the, of the flu yeah.
2: or something.
1: Where right. it's, you
0: know,
2: yeah,
1: I bet yeah. it would be like the blob. Where it's just like a giant blob, and then it's like, don't touch the blob. But oh, like, so a- you can't run forever.
0: Right. A slowly spreading thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I might be with Gless on this one. I think the worldwide pandemic, in terms of what's the really the most horrifying one, I think it's pandemic for me.
2: Yeah. But if you've got a natural immunity, oh my god. Party <laughs> every day.
0: Or you served in the military and you already got vaccinated. That's yeah. true, yeah. Right. So good okay. luck
2: with smallpox, guys. <laughs> well, I think we're
0: gonna I think we're gonna go with pandemic on that one. And so then uh that was a that was a play in against another thing that's incredibly realistic, which is going to be long, drawn out, incredibly painful. I think you guys probably know what I'm gonna vote for already, which is climate change.
1: Oh, I knew this would happen.
2: it's gonna happen after I'm dead, so...
1: <laughs> that is the benefit of the climate change, is that it does seem like... Even Sorry, in a, grandkids.
2: Even in a worst-case
1: <laughs> scenario, it takes so long that it's, like, no matter what stage you're born at, it's, like, a multi-generational thing. But well, like, maybe.
0: Here's, here's my thinking on that. For one thing, there are... There are modeled black swan events within climate change, so um, like runaway global warming where a bunch of methane suddenly comes out of the permafrost or we have a massive calving event in Antarctica that suddenly raises the sea level. Um, in in a case like that, you're going to have, it's it's going to accelerate and you're just going to have massive influxes of refugees coming from all of the island nations, any low-lying coastal area, all pushing in. And it's going to end up incorporating some of the other things that we've talked about, uh, including pandemics. I mean, you will have disease outbreaks. Um, So,
2: yeah, it's a breeding ground for disease right there.
0: Sure. And mosquitoes being able to expand their range. So, all of a sudden, people in Iowa are having to deal with malaria and things like that. So, um, Not to mention...
2: Uh, I'm pretty strongly
0: I'm pretty strongly in the climate change camp in the uh, science and natural region.
1: Yeah. Well, when Bill Gates gets the malaria bots going, though, um, well, actually, that might have its own problems.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, we did gray goo already. We, we, we're not going <laughs> but back. But <laughs> to,
2: to build off the uh, pandemic thing, we already have. We're, we already see that happening with the rise of superbugs and antibiotic resistance, tuberculosis making a comeback. Right.
0: Well, and and actually, this this may not need to be that much of a, de- a debate because we already know that climate change will cause pandemics and a bunch of other human suffering. So, yeah, it
1: is it is really a, a grab bag of of conditions. I mean, it could be natural disaster type like tidal wavy events and stuff. Right, it's almost um, a
2: butterfly effect type thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's gonna be weird stuff. it's gonna be um, well, I mean g- the good news is we'll all probably get to experience it so
0: <laughs> right. Okay, so uh, climate change takes the uh, science and nature region. Uh, so now we're coming down to it. we're in the final four you guys. so let's uh let's go back over to the other side of the bracket. We have artificial intelligence versus widespread nuclear exchange.
2: Oh man, that's a good one. Why, um, why not both? I feel like I feel like it would be a combination of both. Mm. But if I had to say, it's it's got to be nuclear exchange. Just because living in an apocalyptic, I can't talk right now. <laughs> a wasteland of nuclear radiation. At least you can fight against the robots. You can't punch radiation. <laughs> <laughs> well argued. Um, yeah. You can't really punch a robot, but... Well, I mean, you can. You can hit it with a rock. Yeah.
1: I mean, do you think in the robot apocalypse scenario, people would develop some sort of, like, robot, anti-robot fighting style? That Well, yeah, we just <laughs> live
2: around stairs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's like the drunken master style comes back in because they're like, they can't track you well enough or whatever, and then... And then you just trip them, and then they can't... <laughs> I also assume
2: it's like in Predator, where you just have to cover yourself in mud so they don't—they ca- can't track you with infrared. <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: You could use, like, EMP bursts and things. Yeah. I mean, that's technology we have right now. Yeah. You okay, can't, so... You can't punch or shoot
1: a nuclear apocalypse is yeah, a good I argument
0: mean, there. Okay. All right, cool. So, uh, nuclear takes that side of the bracket. On the other side of the bracket, we have the Judeo-Christian rapture versus the not necessarily in keeping with Judeo-Christian current theology, climate change.
2: (laughs) They're pretty much the same thing at this point. (laughs) I mean, one's based in reality and one is uh, climate change, so come on now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
1: (coughs) as much as I think Godzilla Jesus and, like, the seven-headed sheep... Would be pretty great. Um, and please do, if you if you have never read the Bible, just go Google Book of Revelation and just start reading. You're in, you're in for gonna a be, real treat. You're going to be shocked. <laughs> you're going to be like, this is not, this is in the Bi- the Bible that I give my children. This is in the Bible. The Bible where it's like Jesus said be nice to people has this in
2: it? Well, yeah, we don't I mean, keep we don't going? worry about those parts. Don't, those aren't nearly as important as a, you know, don't don't be gay or...
0: <laughs> yeah, between between the Lovecraftian nightmare that is the Book of Revelation and the straight up, uh, like early history pornography that's the Song of Solomon, I I really feel like people don't know their Bibles well enough.
1: No, you should read it for sure. But the climate change has to win this one because it's real. Like,
0: yeah, okay, <laughs> that's a big hey, point. You I you Jesus? That's a
1: big point. No, I love him. I can't wait for his Godzilla form.
0: <laughs> All right. I agree with Brendan. So, uh, Glessman, you want to make it unanimous with us?
2: Yeah, it's got to be uh, the uh, right.
0: revelations. Nope. 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 <laughs> over, over, overruled. Overruled. Okay. Climate change takes the other side of the bracket. So, we're down to just a widespread nuclear exchange and climate change. It's, These are it's literally hand
2: in hand. I mean, you can't have one without the other. Because
0: I mean, you can absolutely have climate change without a nuclear exchange, but
2: that's true. But I feel like the farming, uh, the farming for nuclear materials has to has to play a hand in climate change.
0: Well, <laughs> like even okay, even if true. you're just
2: using it with like uh, you know nuclear power plants, and like you're still digging into the earth and you're still tearing up Mother Nature.
0: Yeah. you know, I think you know, this bracket has said a lot about what we actually worry about because out of all of the things that we talked about tonight. We came down to the two things that are the most likely to happen within our lifetimes and both fairly likely to happen.
1: Yeah. And I think it, to your point, Nick, it is almost like both of these are the same thing because they're both just like man's hubris with trying to control yeah. technology without really thinking through
2: you know what that means and how to do it in a, the right way i guess sure. I say it comes down comes down to you do, you do you want to die instantly or do you want to die a slow at painful death
0: right yeah i mean nuclear is much faster climate change is much slower but either way you're going to have widespread human casualties and suffering
2: i mean bo- and both are moral choices too because we can do something to prevent to prevent climate change but
0: right well so you and, would you think know, you and, would
2: think that you and that think, goes, that goes
0: back to Brendan's earlier point about, you know, the reason nuclear beat out a volcano or an asteroid was because there's some measure of choice involved in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And both cases there's some measure of choice, but with a nuclear exchange it's a couple of people making the choice, with climate change it's like everybody's guilty.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's the ultimate irony for sure. And yeah. like, you know, I try I try and be more green in my choices, but living in this particular part of the country it's hard to because our local government refuses to do anything about it you know why not put in a map reliable ma- mass tra- transportation
0: sure yeah why not make a a big shift toward renewable energy or um start planting a bunch of new forests or something like that yeah. or even
2: something as simple as just riding a bike every day to work why not make, make- that more feasible? Yeah.
0: Make it so Amazon doesn't have to waste so much shipping material or something like that, you know? Crack down on the corporations who are actually creating uh, the, the carbon dioxide in the first place. Yeah, you could have
1: a carbon tax where the more you pollute, the
2: more you pay. I
1: mean, yep. I, that sounds great. That would never happen. Well, I
0: mean, that's that's a
2: libertarian excitement right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I'll give props to our mayor, Gene Sother, for at least saying, you know, we should get rid of paper plastic bags in general instead of having some kind of tax on them just why not eliminate them
0: sure yeah you can go and buy them at the store if you really want them that bad okay well um like i said earlier i think you guys know where i'm i'm leaning here and i'm glad that my number one choice went so high in the bracket but i I've got to go with climate change on this one
2: that's a slow painful death
0: yeah i think it's the worst one i think it's the worst of all of the ones that we've we've come up against tonight
2: have you ever been really, really, really hot?
0: I'm really hot right now. It is like <laughs> 95 awful. degrees in my room.
2: <laughs> and like, you know, you really want some water, but you you don't have any water next to you. Or if you do, it's really, it's not drinkable. It's not yeah, potable. It's
0: tepid. Ugh. Has mosquitoes in it.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, it, I
1: think it's the actions of a few people to cause a nuclear apocalypse are terrible, but in some ways the collective inaction
2: of the entire human race, it's almost worse. I also feel like that there has to, there has to be a lot of things that have to go wrong. There has to be a lot of fail uh, measures that happen that for as afraid of nuclear war. I am as I am of nuclear war. It just doesn't seem as real as climate change as death by climate change.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, Is that that sounds unanimous to me? It sounds like out of our whole bracket, climate change—the one that we're all probably facing down the end of the barrel of. Yeah. Well, you know, takes the championship.
1: I think the worst thing about climate change is that
2: it's preventable.
1: It's it seems preventable, and it's going to seem preventable the entire time, and it's still going to happen. It's the it's a giant real time game. Of the prisoner's dilemma that we're
2: all losing. (laughs) Yep. Not to mention there's just so many people who just – they don't buy into that liberal media bias. Like, I don't – like, it's where you live. I don't understand how you would not want to protect where you live.
0: Yeah. Well, Well, because you'll be dead
1: and it's easier not to.
0: It also speaks to the, you know, the gullibility that, you know, the the big moneyed interests have really inculcated in so much of the population that, you know, this is just, this is just liberal propaganda. They're just trying to take away your way of life. It's like, no, we're trying to save it. We're, the people who are trying to prevent this are like, we like it the way it is now. You know? I also feel Saying, it's a
2: lack lack of empathy as well, too.
0: Sure. Because yeah. you
2: see, you see developing nations tr- struggling to try and get to the point where they're no longer a developing nation, but they don't want to... The first world nations don't want to put forth the effort, time, and money to make sure they're not in that position. Oh, it's
1: it's the maximum irony that nations like America who just, you know, pumped so much smog and stuff into the atmosphere in the Industrial Revolution, just coal and oil and gas and all that, and then figured out, like, oh, actually maybe this is, like, bad. So, like, alright, like, time out, guys, like, now that we have all the money, like nobody else, okay?
2: <laughs> Deal. Yep. It's like yep. that bully who finally got punched is like, Whoa whoa, well, maybe we shouldn't do that anymore, but still <laughs> continues to, to pick on those uh, less fortunate around him.
0: Yeah. In in so many ways, climate change I think is just a massive tragedy of the commons and we're just gonna see it play out in real time. And uh I'm glad that that was the one that won, even though it bums me out. Uh, Let's take a real quick break, because uh, we need to go out on something higher than this. There'll always be the argument that video games are meant to be played for fun. Believe me, some of it's a lot of fun. Video games are meant to be played at home, relaxing, on a couch, amongst friends, and they are, and that's fun. But competitive gaming, when you want to attach your name to a world record, when you want your name written into history you have to pay the price
1: so for the high note this week we have to bring it out that was that was pretty depressing i'm not gonna lie i <laughs> the thought apocalypse? it would be fun but then it got pretty <laughs> bad at the end there who, i mean who doesn't like talking about the apocalypse yeah. and the uh, end of humanity it started pretty fun uh but so to bring it back out on a fun note what could be more fun than classic video games Guys There's nothing played-
0: more fun,
2: nothing more uh, fun than classic. Video I love games. Donkey Kong, one of my personal favorites. Yeah, Dude, ga- Kong, Galaga man. for me.
0: I will play a Galaga machine anytime I see one.
2: I do love me some Galaga, oh. and of course, Pac Man. Come on now, those are all. Those are all great. Yeah, Donkey Kong, though I will
1: I will dispute you saying Donkey Kong is fun because that game <laughs> is the least. F- it that game is
2: punishing. Uh, you've obviously never played uh, Missile Command. Dig Dug.
0: Oh, Missile Command's tough. <laughs> Moon
2: Lander, yeah. yeah. Moon Lander. Uh, have you ever played this game called, uh, I think it's like Tapped or whatever, where you're a Oh, bartender. like the beer tapper or whatever? Yeah, you're a bartender. Yeah. That, fuck that game. <laughs> it seems like it'd be
1: so easy, but no.
2: So there's
1: this h- amazing documentary, one of the greatest documentaries of all time because of its ridiculously improbable subject matter and which low is, stakes.
0: I mean just incredibly low stakes really. How dare
1: you? <laughs> well depending sir, on, on the who highest you are. stakes possible. Okay. So it's a documentary that is about trying to get the high score in Donkey Kong. And Wait, what's it's called, it called? Yeah. the King of Kong. Um my favorite part
0: about what the a
2: clever name. I just want to say that's such a clever name. Oh, so good. God, <laughs> I hope whoever came up with that title got paid a lot. Well,
0: it has a, it has a subtitle too. It's the, the full title is the King of Kong, a fistful of quarters. A fistful which, of which, oh my orders, God, I
1: forgot about the, That's yeah. I for one feel like that was a little bit too much. I kissed my <laughs> fingers for that. That was gilding the lily right there. Okay.
2: Um,
1: but, uh, The best part about this is that they didn't intend to make this movie. They just heard that there was, like, this group of crazy people who loved to set, like, video game records on old video games because... On the original cabinets. Yeah. The thing that's amazing about the old school video game scene is that these games like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, people got famous for setting high scores in them, like, in the 80s when they were new. Right. And then they just never stopped.
2: And... Everybody else stopped caring. Whatever happened to setting the highest score? Like, I think that was that's that's the pinnacle right there of video. Yeah, game. you have got
0: to set the high score so that you can put ass at the top yeah, of the, exactly. the leaderboard. Exactly.
1: Right. Well, what happened was that video games stopped being designed in a way that was just designed to eat as many quarters as possible by being right. as difficult as possible, and then that stopped mattering because then it was just about like I oh, just have some fun at home, and you don't try to trick quarters out of people by making it like deceptively hard. How am I going to do laundry this week? Right. Don't know. But yeah, but these dudes from the 80s who were like in their 20s in the 80s and they're like I'm the video game master and people are like isn't this crazy? This new technology of video games. They just kept doing that and everybody stopped caring and then in like 2003, they found these guys and made this documentary and they discovered Billy Mitchell who is <laughs> the most cartoon character of a person he's unbelievable he He is is,
0: extra billy mitchell is the definition of extra
1: he is the donald trump of classic video games (laughs) lance armstrong of biking
0: well apparently
1: He, uh, he has like the he hasn't changed his hairstyle since the late 80s and it's like just this long it's not quite a mullet it's just like this long 80s greaser kind of hair yeah
0: it's weird because when you picture him in your head you picture him with a mullet and then you look at a, a picture of him and it's like it's not a mullet but that's how i remember it
1: yeah it's it his personality is that of a <laughs> mullet so you just remember it that way but, he's like
2: the grandfather of gamergate let's put it that way
1: <laughs> oh yeah for oh, sure yeah He would fit right in with that. And the best, the funniest part about it is that he hates modern video games and he never plays them. Um, (laughs) He only plays freaking Donkey Kong or whatever. But so they made this whole documentary about them trying to get the high score and like the high stakes drama. And this dude, Billy Mitchell has the high score. And this other dude, Steve Weeby, that no one's ever heard of starts getting higher scores than Billy Mitchell. And most people would think like, wow, you know, you've held this record at Donkey Kong for 20 years. Surely you could just be like, wow, that's amazing that someone finally beat me or whatever. Like props off to you or whatever. And he's like, no. No, sir. This cannot stand. (laughs) And he goes out of his way to just humiliate this guy and just demean this guy and post some pretty sketchy scores. But everybody says, hey, Billy Mitchell would never lie. Oh, my God. This guy is totally Lance Armstrong of gaming. He is. (laughs) He is. He is the Lance Armstrong because it was just now revealed he cheated the whole freaking time and pretended that he wasn't cheating and lied about it to everyone.
0: Was using some emulator, right, instead of using a, a proper cabinet to, to videotape his, his setting. Because the record that he holds currently or or did hold was he would have been, what was it, the first person to cross a million points in Donkey Kong or something like that?
1: Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he had the highest score for for decades right. for Donkey Kong, and it was scores that people thought were almost unobtainable. They were like, this this can never be beaten. In fact, Did it's hard maker, to
2: even know if you can get a better score. I, th- I thought the makers of Donkey Kong Donkey Kong came out and said that it's there's no possible way you can get this high of a score because it would go no, into a kill screen us at a certain point. Yeah.
1: So the way that he gets the high scores is that there's elements of randomness within donkey kong and sometimes if you're playing like just random stuff happens and there's extra barrels so you get extra points for right. breaking more barrels and stuff uh and it was just like yeah billy he just always gets those the, the random stuff always just seems to go his way mm-hmm. he's just the mad he's magical about it but no he just cheated his ass off uh, about it and he would play on an emulator and then like save you know right in the middle. And then play it, and then be like, "Oh, it didn't work out the way I wanted." I'm just going to start from right there where I saved two sure. seconds ago, instead of having to start all the way over at the beginning. Um, and yeah, he's finally been taken down. They've banned him. They've revoked all his scores as invalid. This is what's going to happen to Donald Trump in like a couple months. It seems like <laughs> it's just—it's a little preview, you know. This is the end game. People thought it would never happen. They said his—he's invincible. Billy Mitchell will never be taken down it happened man so yeah. who
2: holds the world record now is it that Steve Wiebe guy no so that's
1: the funniest part is that after this King of Kong movie came out it was so popular that just it just encouraged people to start playing Donkey Kong so now more people are playing Donkey Kong that are doing way better than Billy Mitchell could ever do
0: sure I <laughs> yeah but he that. he still had the he had like the firsts and things like that and uh, right. i think this this article that um that that was shared said that uh, the uh, the arcade. Oh, this is relevant to our uh, Great Plains listening audience also, because the arcade that oh. does all of the, the scorekeeping is a place called Twin Galaxies, which is in Iowa. So, you know, just something cool coming out of Iowa. But um, Road trip. apparently yeah. uh, the guy appar- who runs it
1: is in the documentary, too. And that guy's crazy. But I also <laughs> just I just want to give him a hug. He right? just loves meditating and stuff. It's so yeah. funny.
0: So, apparently, Twin Galaxies is also going to contact, like, Guinness and make sure that Steve Wiebe's name ends up in the book as, like, first person to cross a million points in Donkey Kong. Like, all of Billy Mitchell's, this just amazing douchebag, like, wears an American tie- American flag necktie Always All the time Always um, Runs his own like Shitty pizza and hot sauce restaurant Like patriotic hot sauces Or something like that
1: Oh yeah That's his like That's his main job Because Donkey Kong Just doesn't pay the bills hey, Like man has gotta stuff. support the troops But yeah He like <laughs> makes Makes and sells uh, Hot sauce I guess basically Just to fans of Billy Mitchell Um Yeah, which I can't imagine is that many people. I mean, who wants Billy Mitchell hot sauce? Yeah, Billy Mitchell had fanboys, man. Who is this market? You know what? Look, I will give it to Billy Mitchell. One accomplishment that you could never take away from Billy Mitchell because he did it live in person is he was the first person to play perfect Pac-Man, which Mm. this is where you get the maximum amount of points Possible,
0: it's like six nines in a row or something, or yeah, it, it can't count any higher. Because,
1: yeah, the way Pac Man works is everything you do, you get points, right? So, you eat the dots, you get points, you eat the fruits, you get points, you get them all, you get catch all up the with points. the ghost, yeah, right? You gotta eat the ghosts, yeah. There's only so many power pellets, there's only so many ghosts. Every power pellet, you have to eat all four ghosts every single time. Holy for cow, 256 consecutive screens. And this dude did it, and he did it live and in person, so he didn't cheat on that one.
2: And other people have done it since, but he was the first one to do it. I Honestly, I don't know what to make of that. If you told me that, like that was one of your crowning achievements, I wouldn't know whether to <laughs> laugh at you or...
0: Or shove you in a locker.
2: Yeah. <laughs> probably both, honestly. <laughs> so, yeah. Track down uh, the King of
1: Kong... Read about Billy Mitchell. Go watch some YouTube videos of it. You will not believe this guy.
0: Yeah. It, and, it's uh, amazing. And hats off to Steve Weeby, who's the first guy who ever got to a million points in Donkey Kong without cheating. That's good, yeah. Brennan. Thanks. That's that's a much better high note to, to go out on.
1: Yeah. The FBI didn't even have to get involved in this one. It was just <laughs> just internet message board sleuths analyzing Billy Mitchell's... Hey, bro, gameplay the videos right twice frame a by frame.
0: The FBI is kicking down the doors of Billy Mitchell's hot sauce company to like go <laughs> in and find his his ROMs.
1: <laughs> Dude, it's funny because in the in the King of Kong movie, Billy Mitchell sends thugs to the other dude's house to do that to disassemble his Donkey Kong machine and accuse him
2: God, of man, cheating. I need to rewatch that because I mean, just if you just look at the guy, he just looks like oh. He looks like somebody you wanted to beat up in high school. Oh yeah,
0: this guy. I mean, no. What he looks like is somebody who would have tried to beat up everybody else in high school. That's that's what makes this so true. Satisfying. Yeah,
2: that's actually that's a, that's a better point. But he's got that he's got that look, oh, man. So yeah, that look that that has definitely been bringing me some joy lately.
0: Absolutely, no. That's great. That's a great high note to take it out on. Thanks, Brendan. Hey, Glessman. We are so glad that you were able to sit in with us. I knew that you would get a kick out of that bracket, and you uh, you absolutely delivered. So I'm just thanks glad for being be with here. us. Yeah. Hell yeah! No, it's nice. Uh, you're you're working a, a different work shift now, so we're looking. I forward am to... a normal
2: person now.
0: So nice being able to bring you on the. can do this more often. Hell yeah! Cool man. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, hope everybody enjoyed the show. Uh, hopefully, the apocalypses don't bring you down too much. Um, but you can sound off on our twitter at liquid underscore flannel if you want or reach out to me and tell me to produce less depressing bits i'm at matt the great with a w and brendan is on twitter
1: i'm on twitter i'm at brendan williams with one l and our show's at liquid underscore flannel and just Google Nick Glessman and see what you find. Good luck out there. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> you'll find embarrassing stuff
2: from like 15 years ago.
0: <laughs>
2: you'll find his old live journal just like, just oh, like no. Facebook. You'll find, you'll find my MySpace page that is somehow still active.
0: His various Pornhub and like blacked.com accounts. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, Black's is a
2: very classy site.
0: Come on, guys. <laughs> cool. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.